So it started out as a little bit of weight loss. And who knew that running actually is not as easy as just putting shoes on and going, right? This Runs Radio, episode 1184, starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey, y'all. Real quick before we dive into today's episode of the show, today's episode is brought to you in a kind of sort of way by the folks over at YNAB. That stands for You Need a Budget. The letter's Y-N-A-B. Get it? YNAB? Um, and why Why are we talking about a budgeting something here on uh, the podcast? Well, I've, I've talked, talked about it a couple times here and there. Rebecca and I have been using YNAB for, gosh, I don't know, four years now, five years, something like that. And basically what it does is kind of really gives you a, a really good idea of where your money is going. And it is not some type of snake oil and, and it does cost. There is a, a yearly subscription for it. Um, but I can, I can say that over the time that we've used it, uh, it's made a massive difference. And just, you know, I mean, you know, we all, a little bit of money here, a little bit of money there. There's a, some random subscription that you forgot about this, that, and the other. Uh, maybe you don't realize how much you're spending on something, you know, some random thing. That you know, maybe you'd rather spend that money on I don't know a racecation or a new pair of running shoes or hiring a running coach. I don't know if there's anybody that might be available for that. Um, but one way or the other, YNAB is is a great tool to just kind of help be aware of what's going on in in your financial world. Um, it doesn't invent money, but boy, it sure does find a way of making sure that you know where you're spending your money is where you want to spend your money. And um, again. It's it's something that Rebecca and I use, have used, are continuing to use. No plan on not using it anytime soon. I use it on the business. I use it for us uh, personally. Uh, I like it. I like it. I'm a bit of a numbers guy and, a, and kind of a money nerd anyway. So maybe maybe that's part of it. Um, but if that's something that might be useful for you, you can try it out for free for 34 days. And then if you decide to sign up, you can get an extra free month on top of your year if you use the link disruns.com slash Y-N-A-B disruns.com slash wine app. I don't get any payment for any of this. Uh, but if, if you do use my link and end up signing up, I get an extra month on top of my subscription. So, you know, it, it sort of, you know, it's worth a couple of dollars to me, not much more than that, but a couple of dollars to me. Um, but that's okay because like I said, it's, it's been a game changer for us. And if it's a game changer for you, then, then that's fantastic. And if you, again, if you use the link disruns.com slash wine you get free 34 days to try it out. And then you get a free month if you end up signing up on top of your year subscriptions. You get 13 months for the price of 12. So anyway, check it out. If you have questions, let me know. But they really do a great job of giving you know some some explainers and some details and workshops and kind of help you figure it out, get you up to speed. And then once you do, game changer, game changer. At least it's been for us. Hope it would be for you as well. Anyway, disruns.com slash YNAB. Now, without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey y'all! Um, I guess today's lady that I recently connected with on uh, on the socials, as as we do here in the in the modern world. Um, and after seeing some of her posts, it, it became clear that uh, I definitely needed to invite her on the show. And thankfully, she agreed. And so, uh, you know, here we are. Uh, she's a running coach, and y'all know I love talking to other running coaches and learning from them. Hopefully, saying some things that y'all learn from as well. Uh, but she is, as a coach, specializes in working with masters athletes, and uh, even more specifically. Uh, working with folks that are going through uh, menopause or perimenopause. So you ladies out there, maybe maybe really tune in. And you fellas out there, you know, you learn a few things too. You know, don't don't be afraid to learn a few things, even if it doesn't relate to us specifically. Uh, she's also created a, a brand of fitness-based products that uh, um, looking kind of. I'm looking forward to kind of hearing how that all came about, and just you know, who knows what else we get to today. But always always plenty of things to talk about. So let's get the party started and officially welcome Ms. Becky Croft to the show. So thanks for joining us today, Becky. Really appreciate it. 
Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. Yeah, looking forward to it. And y'all, if you enjoyed today's conversation, want to find out more about what Becky's got going on and, and check out the things that she has available, whether it's coaching or just some, some guides and emails, you know, all kinds of things like 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 I've kind of got available too. So you can check out some of Becky's Becky's goods uh, on Instagram. Good place to connect with there. A couple of handles actually on, on Instagram uh, at coach.croft. So coach, C-O-A-C-H dot C-R-O-F-T, Becky's last name on Instagram. Also, she's got her, her kind of uh, fitness brand is at hustle.run.thrive. Um, again, at hustle.run.thrive on the Instagrams. Um, and then obviously from there, you can get back to websites and, and all that kind of good stuff from there and, and poke around to your little heart's content. Uh, disruns.com slash 1184. Disruns.com slash 1184. We'll get you back for the show notes for today. Uh, obviously some links, photos, anything we talk about that makes sense to link to, we'll have it there as per usual. So Becky, the way we always get started on the show is with a, is with a pretty simple question. Um, sometimes it's a simple one to answer. It's a simple question to ask, if nothing else. Sometimes it's a simple one to answer. Sometimes <laughs> it's a little bit more complicated because there's a lot of good options out there. Um, I feel like I might have an idea which way you're going with this, but uh, one way or the other, it's a great way to start the conversation. That's just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? Okay, so it might be a little bit misleading because I'm always talking about marathoning and I am a menopausal marathoner, but my favorite distance is actually the half. And I feel like it is such a great opportunity to really test your willpower Mm. without like completely derailing life because, you know, training for a marathon is like a a full-time job in itself. But the half, like you can kind of have more of a work-life family balance. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, anybody who's done both of those distances knows that that's very much true. It's a lot easier to train for and dial in a half. Um, and that's, that's kind of where I thought you were going just simply because of the numbers. Like I saw on the website, like, you know, done a handful of marathons and ultra and like 30 odd <laughs> half marathons. It's like, well, maybe that's her favorite distance. I don't know. We'll see. But, uh, yeah. Easy, yeah. Yeah. I, I want to say easy to fit it into life, but easier to fit it into life. training. Easier. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, how'd you get started in, in the sport of running Becky? Is it something that's been kind of forever part of your life or, or where'd you kind of stumble into this, uh, you know, put one foot forward in front of the other and rinse and repeat for however long you're going, uh, aspect of life that we all know and love so much? Yeah, no. So I didn't really have a long history with running. It's not something that I did in school. I, I never even really loved PE class. I mean, I participated and I think archery was probably my favorite <laughs> experience there. But um, running was not on my radar until I became more of an adult. And I initially started trying to run in about 2007 and it was something that my best friend kind of got me into. She's like, Hey, let's go try this out. And at that point I felt like I had a little bit of weight to lose. So it started out as a little bit of weight loss and who knew that running actually is not as easy as just putting shoes on and going. Right. Yeah. Um, so it really took me a couple of years to solidify myself as a runner I gave it another go in 2009. I learned a little bit more about gear. I started running on the treadmill and it was the couch to 5k app that really got me into it. And my husband still teases me about this to this day. Like the first time that it threw me into a 90 second run, I was like, there's no way (laughs) (laughs) this is just insane. And then, you know, so I progressed throughout the app and I get to the point where it throws me into it like a 20 minute run. And i again, was like, there's no way, but I did it. And it really kind of hooked me at that point. I wanted to see like how much better I could do. And so I went out there and I ran my first 5k in like nothing but cotton and yoga pants. (laughs) And it was a very small local 5k. So we ran through some neighborhoods and stuff. And towards the end when I'm dying in my run walk, I get passed by a little kid and an old man. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. (laughs) So at that point, I kind of started learning a little bit more and challenging myself. And I went from like 5K to 10K straight into the half. Mm. Quite the jump. Yeah. Yeah. I just kind of skipped over that 15. I was like, well, if I can do 10, I can do a half. (laughs) Well, you know, that's there's logic there. And it's not like, like, at least for me, I don't know, maybe in where you are, it's a little bit different, but I like, 
you know, you, you can't hardly throw a stone without tripping over a 5K in a lot of places. And like 10Ks, you got to look for a little bit and try to find those. But like sometimes it feels like the 15K is, is it's like this mythical trail distance that roadrunners never run. <laughs> and like yeah. you can maybe find them on the trail. But but when you don't know any better, you're like, I don't know, there's a there's a 10K and there's a half marathon. Like, I, you know, that, that progression just kind of happens naturally, I think. Yeah, I think it's probably more common than going from like 5K to marathon. Right, which is kind of what I did because I was an idiot and didn't know what the heck I was doing <laughs> and suffered greatly as a result of it. But, um, but yeah. So all right. So so a couple things in there. Like like I said before we got started, a lot of times you, you you're answering a question. I've got like 17 questions that come up about it. Um, <laughs> right. You 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 mentioned that you know you kind of you, you did the PE thing, but but the way I heard it at least was like not super competitive. You know, you did a little archery, whatever. Um, but then you're running, you're running this 5k and, and you're passed by an older guy and a, and a kid. Um, it sounds like maybe there was a little bit of like, I don't know, competitiveness that, that was, that was there or that like, I don't know, a, a, a hit to the ego or like, like, like why did that stand? Why does that stand out to you as kind of like a turning point of like, all right, I, I'm going to get more, more serious about it. Um, getting, getting passed by, by a couple of folks in a 5k, which, you know, for most people, you get passed by folks at a 5K sometimes, and sometimes they, they look a lot like you, and sometimes they don't look so much like you, but why did that stand out to you so much? I, I think it was a little bit of both. I think my ego did take a little bit of a hit. I'm like, if this little kid can do it, I can do it. And then, <laughs> you know, an older guy out there passing me by, and now, obviously, he had far more fitness than I did at that point, and I didn't understand that. But I think that that is really where my internal competition kicked in or I recognized it. I never really had anything since I wasn't involved in like team sports or anything. And I just basically participated in whatever we were doing in PE. Like I didn't really care about any of those things, but this kind of woke me up a little bit. And I was like, hold on, like, how do I get better? I started asking myself those questions. Like, what do I need to do? How do I need to train? And I started actually seeking out opportunities to run more 5Ks. Mm. Just in terms of like signing up for the local, the local school fundraiser, the local whatever, like those types of things or, or really? Yeah, out- yeah. So I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We have a fleet feet. We mm. have a runner's world. And, you know, we've got, we've got opportunities to race here. Gotcha. Fleet feet is obviously the biggest one of all of our three stores. But um We've got 5Ks all the time. They do offer like some half marathons. They do trail races. I'm not a trail runner. I am a road runner. (laughs) But, um, you know, and we do have a really great 15K. It's super fun. It's the week before Halloween every year. So everybody dresses up. And so I do have opportunities. And those were what were starting to entice me. But once I got into the half marathon distance, I started wanting to go race other places and turn them into kind of like experiences or racecations. Where, where did that come from? It, it was traveling. Has traveling always been something that you've enjoyed doing and just kind of all of a sudden I can, I can merge these two things or what was the impetus to be like, yeah, racecation, that sounds cool. Yeah. It, well, once I started like actually training with a training partner, like we turned them into girls weekends or like we kind of got sick of running and racing on our local trail. We only have so many options here And so if we were going to train for something, we wanted it to be like an exciting goal or somewhere that we could go that we have never been. And it, that atmosphere, when you are in another town, you get to go see the town and Mm -hmm. run it, but you also get to experience new restaurants or new scenery. And I do love to travel. So now I've got a very full bucket list of (laughs) racecations that I'd like to do. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And it's, I can't remember the moment and I don't know that there was a moment. Maybe it was a, it was an evolution type of thing for me, but it's like, um, you know, like if, if you kind of get to know your, your local race scene and you run the local races, whether the five K's or longer races or whatever it is. And then it's like, when you, when you kind of realize that like, Oh my gosh, like it's, it's maybe not exactly like this, but it's kind of like this just about everywhere else, at least in, in the U S and a lot of, a lot of places around the world. Like it's like this, this, your mind just gets blown about, I could do this all over the place. And then I, whether you're a big traveler or not, it's like, well, that, that would be, a, and I always make the joke, sorry to all you people in North Dakota, but it's like, I would never go to North Dakota, but like, I want to run 50 <laughs> states. So like, I'm going to go to North Dakota and run a race and sightsee and, and check out the, the bison or I, I don't know, whatever. Um, but like, like, yeah, what a, what a good excuse to go to places you wouldn't normally go to when it's like, oh, I could go, I could go run there too. Like, wonderful. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I found myself in Berlin several years ago, and that's not anywhere I thought that I would have the opportunity to go. But I put my name in the lottery for the Berlin Marathon, and I was like, oh, they'll never choose a girl from Oklahoma. And then they wound up choosing not only me, but a handful of my friends who had also put their name in the lottery that year. So I got to go see some of my friends in Germany and run with 50,000 other people. That's, that's got to be a little bit different than, than running. I mean, I don't know, maybe not that probably different than running in Tulsa. What, what, who, who are we kidding? But, um, <laughs> so, so tell us about, tell us about Berlin. Like, like, you know, the race, the, the, just the country being in Germany, the people, what, however, whichever direction you want to go with it. Um, what was it like running, you know, not only an international marathon, but like obviously one of the, one of the world majors, a big, pretty big race, 50,000 people, like you said, no, no, uh, probably moments of, of solitude out on the course. But, uh, what was, what was your Berlin race vacation travel experience like it was very interesting so um my husband thought i was kidding at first when i was like <laughs> how do you feel about berlin in the fall and he's like what and i said well i kind of put my name into the lottery and was chosen and he didn't even know that i put my name in it because i never because really you were gonna had... win so what does it matter right? yeah yeah like i wasn't going to be chosen so it didn't matter but i i never really had the majors on my radar until that moment, I've had obviously Boston on my radar. Everybody wants to Boston qualify. Mm -hmm. It's, it's easier to get there. I think geographically than it is to get to Germany. But since I was chosen, we were able to prepare for it and, you know, flying over there. I don't mind flying. My husband hates it, but you know, we have very different experiences with it. So, um, it was a it was a long flight. Got over there, but we got to go explore and, um, you know, go see the Berlin Wall and see where all of these very historic things happened. And I can't say that running with fifty thousand people is absolutely my favorite experience ever because, like, it's a lot. Like you said, you're never really alone. And I typically tend to settle in between pockets of groups of people in races. And it's like, I. I often find myself going, am I even on course? Where did everybody go? <laughs> right. But it's a tendency I've noticed in myself. So, you know, we start an hour after the elites and it is, it was autumn there. It was like the September 30th. Mm-hmm. And so it's chilly and I was excited for that, but it rained on us the entire time, like poured and then it would let up and then it would pour. And so Running in the rain was not my favorite experience, but I had come to terms with it a little bit at that point. I had a previous experience with a half in Kansas a couple of years before that. So it was just kind of like, okay, this is the hand that I've been dealt today. So we're going to go with it. And um, I, I loved being able to run under the Brandenburg Gate and, you know, be there and have the experience that Germany is not my favorite place. So. <laughs> After being to Italy a couple times, like I felt like they were more accommodating to Americans in general than Germany was. Um, they nothing is translated, and oh. so even being on a train going into Poland to go have an experience there, like the train stopped and they came over the loudspeaker with everything in German or Dutch, and we had to ask someone to translate what they were saying, and they were like, "Oh, the train's going to be stopped for an hour," and we're like, "Oh, okay, good to know." <laughs> But well, I mean, shoot, not only I, not only do you not speak the language, but then like, you know, the that, that is it is any type <laughs> of, of PA system, like even when you speak it, you speak the language fluently. Sometimes you can't hardly understand it. So goodness, I can only imagine that. Yeah, exactly. Not getting very far with that. But anyway, sorry, go ahead. No, that's fine. I, I've heard that other places are, are more accommodating or, you know, more touristy. So they're a little more fun to go visit. But it did. It, we were there on the 30th anniversary of the wall coming down mm-hmm. and it was Oktoberfest. So it was cool to be able to have an experience there in a very iconic year. Right. Right. And I'm glad I've marked it off my list and I yeah. can go on. Well, yeah, exactly. So you know, you get Berlin out of the way. And like you said, you weren't really on the, on the, the radar of the, of the majors, but are, are you now that you, that you ran Berlin? Like, like, is that a, th- a thing now for the six, the six stars? Absolutely. I've been denied for New York and London now. So right. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at a possible charity option for London next year. Um, I'm waiting for them to make some announcements on applications, but um, yeah, I'm definitely, 
interested in getting them all marked off and hopefully before they add any more. Otherwise, I'm going to have you know two more to go after. But they're definitely on my radar now. Good deal. Um, I feel like I saw in one of your your photos like a Boston Marathon medal. So that means that means you run Boston. Have you run Chicago? Oh. Well, I actually have not run Boston. Oh. That is the Boston virtual medal. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yes. They okay. roped me in with the unicorn. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Totally. So so are we are we just one star? Not just. But are, are, are we just at one star at this point? Technically, yes. Technically, yes. Yeah. One okay. star right now. Okay. That's all right. That's all right. You know, I mean, this shoot, like I, I'm on the trajectory of like, I've got hopefully good Lord willing, you know, like 40 more years to do some of these things. So like, you know, not, <laughs> yeah. at least maybe, maybe more than that. Um, so, you know, nothing, nothing wrong with taking your time. And obviously, you know, and again, to, to your point earlier about just, you know, a lot easier to get to, to, to Boston or New York or Chicago from the U S than it is to get to Tokyo and Berlin and London. So you got, you got one of the, the harder, if you will, three out of the way. So, you know, a couple, couple more there and then the U S ones and, you know, like you said, just got to get there before they add more stars. Cause then, then you got more. time. <laughs> exactly. Well, and so I, I typically like to do one marathon a year. I, I've done two a year a couple of times and it's, I've determined it's not my favorite, but right. um, I ran a very solid marathon this February and took 25 minutes off of my time. Nice. So I'm only seven minutes away from qualifying now. And through, through the summer, I've been working on speed and I came out of hibernation the first 50 degree day there is. So, <laughs> so you're still I hibernating a, right now is what you're telling me. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I've, I've been doing short speed work, um, just for summer survival. And then I am a fall and winter runner. So I will start pushing distance and choose a really solid, if I don't go to London, then I'll choose a really solid, uh, spring marathon as an opportunity to test my marathon again and see if I can go ahead and get that qualification. So is, is that, you know, being, being that you're not the, the biggest fan of running in the heat, um, is that, part of the reason why kind of just one marathon a year seems to be enough because that way you don't have to be marathon training through the summer, which, um, as someone who typically tends to, even when I'm not in a mar- don't have a race on the schedule, I'm kind of in marathon maintenance mode. Um, and I live in the South and like, that's not a whole lot of fun. So I kind of, I kind of like the idea of hibernating, but anyway, all that to say, is that part of the reason why one marathon is, is per year is enough for you? That and because I am in surgical menopause and I mm. approach training differently. Um, I have, I have developed some different plans that periodize training differently than a lot of coaches do. And I think it's really important to speak to that because so many athletes just want to keep building more and more and more. And they're, they don't love to pull back, whether it be in overall volume or intensity, or they just want to keep like building bigger. And for me, I have learned how to periodize training a little bit differently so that I can still go out there and bust out some, you know, six minute paces. Now, it might only be for like a minute or two, but it's just a good speed session right there for sure. Yes, yes. uh, Really solid speed sessions during the summer within like 30, 45 minutes that don't absolutely kill me and I'm not running, you know, 15, 17 miles right. in the heat because in Oklahoma, even though we're landlocked, our humidity is absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've got that speed that I built over the summer that I can start like extending and building more strength in the run overall. Gotcha. Well, and, and let's, let's start digging into that then, because I think, you know, sometimes, sometimes you don't look, look a gift horse in the mouth. You, you bring that up. Let's, let's not, you know, there are other things I could have talked about, but let's, let's kind of start di- diving in a little bit. So, um, for the, for, and I'm, you know, count me among those that don't, aren't super familiar with your backstory. I obviously look through your website and social media and have a little bit of an idea. Um, but, but if, if I, if I'm correct, you started menopause quite early and not, like you said, surgically and surg- surgical menopause. So not, not the natural flow of things. So as much as you're willing to get into it or want to get into it, and if you don't want to, we can just boss over it. But um, kind of what, what is that side of, you know, the, the, the health menopausal side of, of your life, if we can get into that for just a second? Oh, yeah, for sure. So I am now a super open book when it comes to speaking about my journey and experiences. I was not when I was going through them because it was just really... Um, it felt vulnerable and nobody really speaks to this openly. So I like only a handful of my friends or family knew what I was going through at the time. Now, pretty much everybody knows 
either what I've been through or when they come to me, I'm very comfortable talking about it. Mm-hmm. I went through a six plus year battle with endometriosis. And for those that don't know what it is, it's basically tissue that is similar to the um, endometrium inside like the womb mm-hmm. that grows outside of it. And it can fuse organs together. It's a whole body disease. It's very misunderstood. Um, but it caused a lot of problems for me. And when my husband and I got married, like I came off of birth control and it's when it really reared its head and I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know what was going on. And after, you know, poking and prodding and not finding any answers, finally, my doctor agreed to an exploratory surgery and that's where he discovered it. And he's like, Oh, this is a bad deal. So I went through um, a handful of surgeries over the years to deal with that. I lost my, like my appendix was fused to my bladder. I lost my right tube and ovary along the way. Um, I was put through temporary menopause to try to kind of shut it down. And um, that didn't help. So eventually I got to the point where I was like, okay, here, I'm done. Like I can't go through this anymore. And even though I always wanted to be a mom, like I had come to terms with the fact that it wasn't going to happen. So I asked for a hysterectomy and my doctor, even though he had known what I had gone through and put me through part of it, just literally laughed in my face and told me he knew that it's what I thought that I wanted at that point. But I was so young that, you know, I was probably going to change my mind eventually. And he told me he couldn't put a uterus back in if he took it out. So I parted ways with him immediately and went back to a previous doctor who agreed to the surgery. And so I had a full hysterectomy at age 38. And this is like usually the age where women start kind of barely creeping into perimenopause. And for them, that can take 10 to 15 years. But I was thrown into menopause overnight and with zero support after my surgery, other than like post-op appointments to make sure that I was healing properly. So I'm a huge, huge advocate for women in this stage of life and regardless of their age, how they're entering menopause, um, because they need support, not only for like all of the cognitive, emotional issues, but also because there's nobody out there catering to anyone like me Mm -hmm. who wants to perform in their sport after they've been through something like this. So uh, along those lines then, um, and, and I mean, I like, I'm just kind of trying to wrap my head around this, this idea of, of, like you said, you know, typically, you know, 10 years, 15 years, like it's, it's, it's a, I don't know what the right word is, but yeah. a gradual progression, you symptoms and you kind of get used to things and it evolves and you, and you, you kind of learn what works and how your body is changing. And, and to just kind of have that happen, like you said, overnight, no, n- none of that lead up, just, I mean, literally <laughs> yeah. jump in the deep end and figure it out. Um, like how, how did that, I mean, obviously the surgery and recovering from the surgery, but like, you know, the, the, the hysterectomy and losing the hormones that go along with, you know, that, that, that are part of the, the monthly cycle and, and, and all that. How did that impact your running, change your running and, and kind of spur you to, to not only be the advocate for just in general, but obviously, you know, with kind of a focus for, for working with masters athletes and, and menopausal, perimenopausal athletes being like, like this is, this is different than quote unquote, just standard training because, because of how the body is changing. I I never really understood menopause in its entirety. I mean, obviously, I knew it was going to happen one day, but it's not anything that you ever really think about, you know, in your 20s, in your 30s, or some for some women, even in their 40s, like I'm part of a menopause group that they're still very shocked by what's happening. But for me, like I... I planned my hysterectomy in between marathons. <laughs> That's a runner right there. Yes. Like, oh, a down period. Let's do it now. <laughs> yes. And um, every time a woman comes to me, she's like, so how long did it take you to recover? When were you able to run again? I was like, well, I'm going to answer you, but please don't do what I did because I, <laughs> I raced three weeks after my hysterectomy, oh, which was not smart. But like, I felt great. I have a high pain tolerance. I recovered quickly. I didn't take pain pills. Like it was almost, the surgery was almost a non-event in a physical aspect. 
But once I went out there and ran, I was like, hold on. Like I went from my energy tank being full to like halfway through the run, it went from a hundred percent to like 2%. And it was a very weird feeling in my body. Now I did a lot of research or I attempted to do a lot of research before the surgery, like how do you, how to run after a hysterectomy, how to perform, how to, how to PR again. Um, and there really wasn't any information. Now this was in 2016. So, you know, it wasn't like the resources that we have that are readily available now that even though they don't speak to surgical, they're still very helpful in some ways, right. but they weren't even there at that point. So I had to figure out a lot of things about, menopause in general along the way and speaking to my doctors and like putting together my own professional team of doctors. I don't just go to my OBGYN and because they're, I mean, they're trained in this somewhat, but they still don't, they still don't have the understanding around it or they're still tying it to age. And so it's not helping a lot of women, but it was through having to, educate myself along the way that I was like, okay, I've got to open up about my experiences because I can't be the only one out here. And I felt, I always say this, I felt like a unicorn, but not in like some sparkly way. There was nothing magical (laughs) about what I was going through. Um, But now I'm starting to learn how to embrace my uniqueness as a strength to help other women along the way. Because they, you know, they may be doing their own Google searches and coming across information. And even though we're starting to talk about menopause a little bit more, it's still not exceptionally helpful. Like, how do I train through this? How do I adjust? I can't keep doing the same things that I've always done. I need to adapt my training a little bit. And, you know, we hormones play a huge role in our bodies. And that's for men and women. It's not just women. I mean, we hear a lot more about women's hormone issues than we do men's, but they affect everything in your body, your thyroid, your sleep, your cognitive function. They, your hormones run everything. So when you don't have them in your body, like everything feels like trash and especially your training, you, you can go out there and think, okay, well I'll knock out this easy run, but then it feels less than easy. So you get discouraged and then you don't want to show up in your training anymore. So what do you do? Well, I'll ask you then. So, so what do, what do you do? Like, like what, it, and again, and, 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 you know, we can talk about you specifically if you want, or we can, we can talk about kind of women in general with the, with the typical, you know, disclaimer that like, this is general advice and each person is going to be different and, and what you need to do is, is going to be different for, for each individual. Um, but, but how have you kind of learned, I guess, probably because like you said, there wasn't a whole lot of research out there and maybe there still isn't as much as there, there could be and should be, um, to adapt training for someone going through menopause, again, yourself or, or others. There's been a lot of trial by fire for me. <laughs> um, like, like I said, I went out three weeks after my surgery and then I was like, okay, this is terrible, but I had never done speed work before. I was just kind of trying to get back into running. I was really struggling. I joined a a group, a local group that went out and ran on the weekends together. And so that's where I got to adopt my now training partner. And we've had a lot of people come and go over the years, but she stuck with me. But in having conversations with them and like them presenting speed work to me and going out there and trying it. And now I was following someone else's schedule and I had no idea what I was doing, but at least it introduced me to speed work. And that's where I really was like, okay, there's a problem. I, I'm, I don't have the energy to finish this, you know, 200 meter hard rep. And I go from a hundred to 2% in energy. So what's going on here? And that's where I started leeching out to a nutritionist and then, um, I, I was working with a sports chiropractor and he introduced me to the hormone doctor. Like I've had all these different avenues kind of open up for me along the way, but it's come from me exploring, like, why is this happening? And, and is this normal or how do I overcome this? Mm-hmm. What shifting gears a little bit from specifically you to maybe talking to, to, to folks in general here. Um, 
obviously the, 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 that type of energy snap of the fingers change would be a pretty, pretty clear sign that something's not right. Um, but, but for the, the, the folks that are listening the ladies specifically, um, that maybe are kind of at that cusp of like, am I starting, you know, am I in perimenopause? Am I not like, I don't, I don't know. Um, but they, you know, maybe they've been running for years. They're pretty, pretty in tune with their body from a running perspective and how they feel. And, and, um, what are some things that might be, I don't know, signs, I don't want to say necessarily red flags, but like just kind of a little bit of like, oh, wait a second, maybe this is a, a, a menopausal, perimenopausal type of symptom and, and, and things to be aware of from a, you know, for, for a running population. Absolutely. So things that a lot of women struggle with is not being able to do the things that they've always done. They're like, oh, well, I've always been an athlete. I ran track in high school and I've always been able to do high volume. And now like I, all of my runs feel terrible. I can't get through that volume or I'm injured all the time, or I just don't want to get up and do it. There's so many menopausal symptoms that I couldn't even give you a complete list. And it goes beyond, you know, the typical handful that everybody speaks to. One of them that I really struggled with that I didn't realize was a hormonal problem, even a couple of years ago, was like the lack of mojo or the the feeling flat and like not feeling motivated to get up and do it. And it's very different in, you know, typical than typical motivation because most people are like, oh, how do I stay motivated? Well, you don't, first of all, you rely on <laughs> dedication and consistency like habits. But I would plan to get up and go do a three mile easy run in my neighborhood. And obviously it's very easy just to get up, put clothes on, have a snack and walk out the door. Like I'm not planning to go anywhere else to go do it, but I could not peel myself up off the couch and I would just agonize over it all day. Like I've run marathons. Why can't I get up and go run for three minutes or three miles or 30 minutes and give myself permission to like give it five minutes. If you don't want to do it, turn around and come back. But, and then I would finally get out and go do it and it would feel fine, but it was like such an internal battle. But I was listening to a podcast where, um, some climbers were talking about kind of dealing the same with the same thing, like unfounded fears or like this lack of mojo. And they spoke to like E2 rather than just estrogen, but E2 and how it being low caused this problem. And I was like, hold on, what's that? So it so happened that my endocrinologist did a saliva test instead of a blood test and it showed my results very differently where we thought like my estrogen was creeping up a little too high. The saliva test actually showed it to be very low Mm. and that, but it was the E2 that was low and I like jumped up in his office and screamed, Oh my God, there it is. And he looked at me like, what? (laughs) And I was, so I explained the podcast to him and like what I was struggling with. And he was like, okay, well, let's adjust it and see what happens. And so we tinkered with my hormone um, levels a little bit. And all of a sudden I was like, okay, I'm going to get up and go do my run. Like it was not even a thing anymore, Mm -hmm. but I was beating myself up over like, internal motivation and I should be able to do this. And like, you know, I'm a runner and my identity as a runner and as a coach, and I I had to learn that it was something outside of my immediate control. That was the problem. And, and with that motivation, is it, is it, cause you know, I think this is relatively, I, I try not to speak in absolutes, but I feel like it's kind of a, a pretty safe absolute to say that we all have periods where, we're not motivated. It might be a day, it might be a week. Um, but, but for, for you, was it like kind of forever? I don't want to say forever, but like, like week <laughs> after week a, after week, instead of like a, a random one-off day or two where you weren't really feeling it, but then you're kind of back to it. Yeah, it was an absolutely like an extended period of time. And that's why I was like, I knew it was something that I needed to get to the root cause of. It wasn't just like, okay, this is burnout or because I wanted to go do it. I just couldn't get myself up to go do it. And like, I don't have what, you know, most people will call a real job. I am a full-time coach. (laughs) I have the luxury. Me too, girl. We got real jobs. (laughs) (laughs) Don't talk to my mom because she'll tell you it's not a real job. (laughs) But 
this is my full-time gig. So I have the luxury of getting up and going and doing what I want when I want for the most Mm -hmm. part. And my schedule is very flexible. So when it became like a chronic problem, I was like, this isn't just straight up like you're dealing with summer heat or you're doing too many miles or anything. This is, this is something else. (laughs) And I think that's where athletes have the opportunity to ask some better questions of themselves instead of beating themselves up. Like, you know, is this typical? You can go, okay, hold on. What is really going on? Am I getting to the root of this or do I need to take a different approach and see what happens? We need to invite more curiosity into our training than we are. I think we go back to all these basics of like, Oh, I need to go harder, stronger, I need to lift heavier. I need to eat better. Like everything needs to be more intense. And that's not necessarily the case. There may be something else going on there that, you know, we need some help with. Right. Here's, here's a a question basically for me and everybody gets to just listen to me, ask a question that I have specifically. Um, But I, I, I've had conversations with athletes that I've coached over the years where you know, it's, it's been kind of along these lines of like, man, I'm just, you know, I feel like I'm just burned out. I don't have the motivation. I've lost my mojo. People have said that, you know, the exact words I've, I've lost my mojo. And like, I've never thought about saying like, have you had your hormones checked lately? Like, like where, where are you at in, in the, the menopause, perimenopause situation? Um, and so I, I guess, I guess my question to you, Becky is as a dude who's, who's a coach, but like as a dude, how do I, how do I, what's the best way to suggest that or is it just being straight up like, have you checked your, 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 have you had your hormones checked lately? Have you had your estrogen checked? When's the last time you had that kind of blood work done? Because, because it, you know, that can be a, a symptom. Like how, what's a good way for me as a coach and, or, or, you know, a husband that's listening to this and talking to those, to their wife that, that like to kind of bridge that, that gap, ask that question in a delicate way, but also like a, Hey, there could be something to this that, that yeah. could be resolvable if you, if you, if you know that that's what's maybe going on. I think that there is a really, really solid opportunity for male coaches to learn about this, not only for their athletes, but they are likely, you know, a spouse, a father, a son, a brother. Like you have females in your life outside of your athletes and every woman out there is going to go through this at some point, whether they like it or not. This is part of our process. Like we approach our menstruation as a teenager with more open arms than we embrace menopause, but it affects men just as much as it does women because my poor husband has been through the ringer (laughs) with this too. Um, It's not just me. And he will be the first to tell you that I'm not the woman that he married 13 years ago. And now, I mean, we have evolved together in a lot of ways and grown, but um, you know, there's, still some pieces of me that I'm trying to get back or trying to understand, embrace. And I'm not exactly the person that I was because all of those hormones have changed some things for me. But Mm -hmm. as male coaches, this is crucial to, first of all, even put on your radar, I would say is the first step. Like, okay, could this be a piece of the puzzle outside of how I'm programming for them? What else is going on in their life? like their entire race schedule, their approach to training, whatever, this is a piece that you just need to have in your puzzle. And then you can start learning more about it. There are a couple certifications that are out there for menopausal athletes. So it would be really helpful helpful for male coaches to learn about or to add to their credentials. And then they can start kind of going, okay, how do I tweak training for this athlete? Because if they're not showing up in training and it's not like A, B, C, or D, you've got to have a next step. There's something there. And I see this a lot, like in the RRCA group, not just from the male coaches, but from females as well. They'll give like this case study and it's, it is obviously very glaring to me that it's menopause related, but that's where I go to very quickly. And so I will always ask them or my athletes who are struggling with things. Okay. Where are your blood levels at? Like where, where are your hormone levels at? Have you had a test done or because I'm an inside tracker pro, I can give them a discount. And now 
hormones are included in those. So they don't have to go to their doctor if it's like, you know, they've got crazy copays or whatever. There's an affordable option that is outside of, you know, medical insurance. But I've got tools to give them or I've got questions to ask them to make sure that they're doing things so that they can start understanding, you know, how these factors are affecting their training or their overall health and happiness even. Right. right. Well, yeah, because like you said earlier, I mean, like, like we, we – it, I don't know if you said this exactly, but like hormones feel, feel like they get a short shrift from, you know, just in general, like we talk about all the different things as far as health and hormones is kind of like, I don't know, sometimes it feels like it's kind of like, oh yeah, test, testosterone and estrogen and that's it. And like, there's so much more to, to hormones than that. And, and, but obviously those ones are, are kind of key too, but like, like, I don't know, I guess where I'm going with that is it's so easy to just overlook something like that. But like, if, if your hormones are off and if, if, or they're changing because we're getting older and, and, you know, it happens to, to the best of us, um, you know, you could be really fighting upstream to try to solve a problem or to, to resolve an issue or whatever it is that you're, you're struggling with, where, you know, if you can recognize it, like, oh, oh, maybe it is hormonal, like, at least, like, that gives you a better frame to how to move forward than, like, I don't know, I'm just, I just took a break, and, like, I'm still not really motivated, I still don't have my mojo left, and, like, you know, you, you just getting to the root cause, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, just like with an injury, just like with so many things, if you can actually figure out what's going on, you have a better chance of solving it than if you're, you know, shooting arrows blindly. Absolutely. I mean, I could equate it to like having knee problems and you put a brace on it instead of actually figuring out like where in your right. mechanics the problem is or is it a lack of strength? Is it like a form problem? And this is something because I'm a form instructor too that I see a lot of coaches kind of miss the mark on. They'll speak to form, but they never see their athletes move. I've mm -hmm. been coached by a coach who never knew what my movements look like. So if I said, Hey, I'm randomly having these shin splints, like out of nowhere, she's like, Oh, well let's pull you back some. But it wasn't, it wasn't the problem. Like we weren't increasing my mileage crazy, you know, or anything. It was actually like, I was starting to evolve in my gait a little bit in the wrong way. And I had to identify that myself, but that's because I'm a form instructor that I was able to figure it out very quickly and not let it become a huge issue. But I've got athletes who come to me all the time, like I'm having knee issues and I'm like, okay, I want to see your, I want right. to see your running form. And then we can start talking about what you're doing, what you're not doing. But at first I need to get to the root cause of what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's yeah. The root cause stuff is, is huge. So before we, before we wrap up, I mean, we're getting, getting kind of close on time, but uh, you know, we talked about coaching a little bit and some of the, you know, obviously, like you said, full-time coach, which, which may or may not be a real job. I, I, I tend <laughs> to think it is as well. Um, but how'd you get into coaching? Like where, where did that come into play? Well, so like I said, I'm a form instructor and that is actually where I started. Um, mm. we used to have a chi running form instructor here in Tulsa and she moved off and I had been learning about it and changing my own form to make it more efficient. And my chiropractor one day was like, so, you know, our instructor left and I was like, yeah, that sucks. And he goes, well, we need a new one. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we sure do. And he goes, I think it should be you. And I was like, what, what do you mean it should be me? And he's like, yeah, you're, you're the girl for the job. So he kind of encouraged me to go after that certification. And everything that I do is a little bit outside of the box. So like I said, I'm the coach that asks you about your hormones. Or like I may ask you about your mindset and give you some things to think about how you're holding yourself back or whether you're pushing yourself enough. Um, but form is where I started because it's something, it's another piece of the puzzle. A lot of coaches are missing. So I was trying to kind of figure out which direction I wanted to go with a running coach certification. And I'm, I'm of the mindset that you don't necessarily have to have a certification, but I think it can be incredible, incredibly helpful to gain some more education behind the science of running. So I was trying to figure out which avenue I wanted to go, like VDOT or RRCA. And I had an opportunity kind of fall in my lap. I saw the story of someone on Instagram who said, well, there's this woman who is trying to kind of add some diversity to the run coach arena. And she's um, paying to certify BIPOC women. And I was like, okay, well, that's me. I'm Native American. So I don't see a lot of Native coaches out there. And again, it's a little bit outside the box since we don't see it. And I had the opportunity to get certified. And 
now like represent native Americans in the coaching arena, but you know, women as well Mm -hmm. and tie it to like running form and, you know, coaching. Like I I can bring a very well-rounded approach to coaching in general because I look at all the different pieces. Which is what we need, quite frankly, because, you know, I, I think that that I don't know, I, I use the, the ecosystem analogy sometimes. And, and too often, I think we sometimes look at ourselves, um, you know, as as all these separate entities. Right. There's there's runner me, there's coach me, there's husband me, there's dad me, there's son me, like all these different labels or identities or, or facets of my life. But like they all kind of impact each other, you know, and like if, if I'm if I'm in a, in a tiff with my wife, well, then like maybe I'm not the best dad or maybe I'm not, you know, the, as, as attentive as a, as a coach or maybe my running suffers or vice versa. My running's gone to hell, then everything else suffers. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, like like there is this whole this this, you know, holistic or, or like I said, ecosystem where everything's inter, interrelated and recognizing that like. Yeah, if the mindset's off, like that could impact the running. If the form is off, that could impact it. If the form, like, if work is is work is crazy, you know, like like I've worked with folks that are uh, accountants before, and they're trying to train for a marathon at the same time that you know it's March and April, and it's like maybe that's not the best situation because you're working seventy hours a day, like you know, or seventy hours a week, but might sometimes feel like seventy hours a day. Um, but just anyway, <laughs> all, all that to say that all the pieces are are sometimes connected, even if we don't like to think they are. Like you know, oh, well, why yeah. why is my running suffering right now? Well, like what else is going on besides just the running? And it's like, Oh yeah, yeah these might, might all be connected a little bit. We are very, very dynamic beings. Um, there are probably dozens of labels I would give myself. I'm a wife. I'm a, I'm an indigenous runner. I am an army wife. Like I am a stepmom and a glammy and, and, and fertile marathoning, you know, menopausal runner. But, um, all of these things, cater to different people in different ways. Like I don't just coach women. I coach men as well. Mm-hmm. My, my focus is on masters and menopausal and I separate them because there are women like me who reached menopause at a much younger age, right. but train, you know, training through masters level and also menopausal level running is very similar in a lot of ways, but tying all those things together is very important and recognizing that, each of those things can live independent independently and like at the same time, the duality of being a runner and a business owner or whatever, they do impact each other. And I've got like, I've got an athlete right now who she is training for a marathon and she and her husband own a heating and air company. And so they, they don't really have an off season. Her business is always very demanding. And so she came to me and she's like, okay, I need some help with this. And on days where she's like, okay, I'm going to get my strength in, but it's been a really bad day. And I'm like, just let the strength go. It's fine. Like, yeah. yeah. Or let's stack it on tomorrow. If it makes sense. Like I'm able to help her adjust that. And it's really, really impacted her training a lot and given her, she's learning a lot more grace for herself in this Mm. process. Mm. I love it. I love it. Um, that almost feels like a philosophical question, but I'm not going to let you out without a philosophical question. Becky, so. <laughs> it feels like a philosophical answer, but we're going to, we're going to get one more. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, I, I got to give you a philosophical question, which is kind of like the, the introductory question, very open-ended. Um, uh, but that's how I like to, to try to wrap things up these days. And so, um, I guess, I guess I'm curious for you. Um, and, and maybe this is the most common philosophical question, although I do waver from time to time, but what, why is, why, why do you run? Why is running such an important part of your life? You know, in the last, if I, if I feel like I got my timeline straight about 14, 15 years since you kind of, you started couch to 5k and got passed by the old man and the, and the kid on, <laughs> on, on the 5k course, um, to where it's become, you know, kind of like with me as well. Like, like the running part might not be your job, but running is your job. You know, it's, it's the coaching and, and all the resources and, and building the store, which we didn't even talk about, but we'll remind people to check that out as well. Um, but why do you, why do you get out there and, and, you know, get, get after it on a, on a regular basis, a periodized cycle, not as much in the heat, but a little bit more when it's cool. Like why is running such an important part of your life? For me? Um, and I've been asked this question a couple of times lately, if I were to give running one word, what it means to me, I would say everything. Like it started out as weight loss. And I look back at my pictures of myself and I kind of laugh. I'm like, okay, well, I weigh more now than I did then, but (laughs) I'm much stronger in this body than I've ever been before. 
But running, that's the beauty of it. It evolves over time and it may be weight loss in one season. And then as you get into it and start getting fitter, spending more time out there doing it, you find this community of like-minded people and it becomes something else. It becomes your me time, your therapy time. And I guess to simplify it, running is medicine. And especially Mm. as a native woman, it is very much medicine for me. I go out there sometimes without my headphones, without my audiobooks, my podcasts, my music, whatever. And I just spend time running the land in nature, time for me, and, you know, either getting out of my head or sorting through whatever's, whatever I've got going on that I need to figure it out. Yeah. So it, it, it becomes a lot of different things. And I have had really hard seasons. Um, with running, but also with life and health and running has gotten me through those seasons. And I think I'm right now kind of in my fast girl era and it, you know, later on it's going to evolve into something else, but I found a lot of grace with running and it's helped me figure out who I am on a deeper level. Hmm. I, I love it. And as is often the case, and as I often say, I'm just kind of sitting here smiling and nodding through the whole thing. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm glad I asked these questions because so often people phrase things in ways that I've, I've never thought about and probably could never eloquently say. But I'm like, yes, yes, preach. So thank you for sharing that, Becky. And, and once again, y'all, if you enjoyed today's conversation, Becky's got so many resources, it's, it's ridiculous, but it's also awesome. So check them out uh, at coach.croft on Instagram, uh, at hustle.run.thrive. Like I said, we didn't even really get into the, that side of things and, and kind of putting the shop together, but lots of, lots of good things there as well. So check it out. Scroll through disruns.com slash 1184, disruns.com slash 1184. If you're out on the go, forgot the handles, whatever. We got all the links, all the, all the photos, all the stuff as per usual in the show notes for today. So Becky, thank you for... Uh, for taking the time, I, I feel like, and, and I, I don't say this all the time, but it's it's all it's not rare to be like, gosh, I feel like we were just scratching the surface, and so much more we could have gotten into. So maybe somewhere down the road we can we can circle back and, and do it again for a round two. But uh, certainly appreciated the time today, um, and thanks for all you're doing in the running community, and, and keep on keeping on, and uh, nothing but the best to you going forward. Well, thank you. I appreciate you taking the time and letting me speak to some of the things that really kind of, um, you know push me forward in life, but also are hopefully helpful for some of your listeners as well. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. Hope you enjoyed the conversation between Becky and myself. And as per usual, be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode. What was your takeaway du jour? Du jour. Um, for me, I mean, there were, there were several things I, y'all know, I love, I love run coach talking. And even though we didn't get too deep into the weeds, we we got, we got enough that there was, there was plenty to to get from. And obviously from Becky's story as well. Um, but really it came back to when we were talking about kind of finding the root cause of things. And so often I look at it from a root cause of, you know, what is really causing your injury. I think Becky mentioned, you know, maybe it's your knees. You go for a knee, a knee wrap or some KT tape or a knee brace or something like that, but maybe it's a hip issue. Maybe it's a lower back issue. Maybe it's a, you know, an ankle issue, a, a tight, a tight something in the calf or, or whatever. And you're compensating for that. And that's causing your knee to, to give you problems. And if you don't find that root issue, it's kind of hard to ever solve it. And, and again, that's kind of always the, the angle that I've come at root issue causes, but there's so many others, obviously with, with, you know, Becky's situation, um, and, and being in, you know, menopause and obviously, you know, as that changes for, for all of us, hormones change as we get older, um, Maybe that is causing some type of problem, like Becky talked about with the the lethargy and kind of the lack of of motivation and lack of mojo. And if you can figure that out and and you're testing for those things, you're at least aware of those things, instead of trying to fight upstream of like, how can I be more motivated or whatever else is going on, maybe not even running related related to a hormone issue or a work issue or or a family life issue or whatever it is, um, you know, finding those root causes, those root um beginnings of whatever it is that you're going through. It's not always easy, not always fun, of course. Um, but I just, I just couldn't get over that, that thought in terms of like, again, I've talked about it or thought about it so many times from an injury front, but pretty much feel like just about everything that I go through in life. Um, maybe not everything, but there's so many things that I go through in life where, you know, I'm pissy pants about something and that creates an issue in, in a relationship, hopefully not too many issues in our, in our marriage, but you know, every once in a while, there's a little bit of a dust up here and there. And like, was it really something that, that Rebecca did or I didn't do or whatever, 
or was it because I was pussy pants about something else, you know? And if I can solve that issue, then maybe those other issues wouldn't, wouldn't bubble up. So I don't know, find the root cause as much as you can, because, uh, not that the root cause issue is always easy to solve, but if you solve it, all those downstream effects, whether it's an injury issue, whether it's something else, um, might just either take care of themselves or, you know, might uh, be a lot easier to take care of. And then you take care of them once and they're done. So that was my takeaway today. Always looking for those root root causes of problems that we face in running life, anything in between. What about you? What stood out to you from today's episode? If you're willing to share it, I'd love to hear it at Dizruns on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it these days at Dizruns on Instagram at Dizruns on threads that I check every so often. So, you know, if, if I don't get right back to you, yeah, it's nothing personal. We'll get there eventually. More threads will die out. That's kind of feels like what's 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 happening as well. But we'll see. One way or the other, I'm at Dizruns on all those places. You can also shoot me an email, Dizruns at gmail.com. You can also, of course, head over to the show notes for today, which you can get to at Dizruns.com slash 1184, Dizruns.com slash 1184. Links, photos, comment section, all, all the things that you're used to, they are all there. Feel free to blow up the comment section with your thoughts and your takeaways from today. And if uh, you want to maybe get uh, a little bit better control of your money or at least be a little bit more aware, maybe that's the root cause of whatever kind of, you know, your financial situation. Maybe it's really good, but it could be better. Maybe it's, you're, you know, struggling a little bit. I don't know. We all struggle a little bit. We're struggling a little bit sometimes. But, hey, you know, YNAB has been a, kind of that root cause thing for us where we can see where, where the money's coming, where it's going, and be like, yeah, you know, maybe we could do this a little bit differently. And, uh... Maybe that would help you as well. Dizruns.com slash YNAB is the link. Check it out. Nothing to lose. Maybe something to gain. Up to you. Up to you. Dizruns.com slash YNAB. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up, y'all. Thanks for the time. Thanks for the attention. Thanks for taking Becky and I with you today. Until next time, y'all be well. Take good care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon, right? Later, y'all.